So welcome to It's Not All About Numbers podcast, the leadership podcast that doesn't just focus on the bottom line. My name is Chris and that is Mike. Hi everyone. And this week our co-host is Becky Glover, award-winning SME finance director and more importantly a English wine entrepreneur which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, First of all, if you do like what's happening on It's Not All About the Numbers, then do subscribe, do click five stars. Our audience is growing every week and uh, obviously seeing the numbers go up every week is really, really motivating. So first things first, how's everybody's week been? Uh, what? It's difficult to think back past what I've been doing today. So I'm sat in the Trade Union Congress building in London after being on a panel this morning um, for the pay, stonework, restoration, all staff offsite, would you believe? Sorry, say that again. Exactly. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) The pay, stonework and restoration, all staff offsite. So one wow. of my mates um, from one of my mates from university works for a, a stone restoration company, and he invited me along to come along come along and talk about sustainability and net zero, which I'm phenomenally underqualified to talk about. But it ended up being a conversation about data and data sharing, so I was quite happy in that space. So that's been this that's been this morning. Um, so I, I, I'm I can't picturing really... a load of you know very hardy hard men with large hands. I don't know why. <laughs> Is that what you uh, found? I, I, I mean, your your instincts aren't massively off, but I did spend the lunchtime chatting to the head of the their federation, who's a lady who's been doing it since 1987. And we had a lot of conversations about when she started in 1987. It, it literally was, as you just described, and we were talking about the, 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 the changes over time and how uh, it's got less male-dominated and less. Uh, chauvinistic I think is probably fair to say Um, so it's been really interesting it's been a really interesting uh, interesting day so far Um, and then the only other thing that pops into my head and this is more of my kind of social the social uh, renewal thing is uh, I mentioned last week I was going to see Depeche Mode Monday was seeing Depeche Mode and it was as amazing as I hoped so I enjoyed that and I'm still on the buzz from uh, being there and I know you're going on Saturday Chris so so you've got a lot to look forward to Yes, yes. And to clarify, when you say on the buzz, you just mean, you know, a natural high there, which is all good. Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. 100 legal, legal and everything, yeah. Well, Becky, I don't know how you're going to follow that. We've got stonemasons, men with big hands and Depeche Mode concerts buzzing. Yeah. How was your week? Well, I mean, very boring compared to that. I just, I've <laughs> only seen people with normal sized hands. Um and it just <laughs> hasn't been anything compared to that, to be honest. So, um, yeah, my, my week's been good. I mean, it's not been that good, but um, it's, yeah, filled with the usual, really. Um, year-end appraisals. Um, actually, this week, I did do a little bit of networking, which was wonderful because myself and uh, the partner of a solicitor firm went to a classical music concert. So I feel like my culture levels have gone through the roof so that was a wonderful way to spend a Wednesday evening and then yeah like completely randomly yesterday I decided I was going to go and get some acupuncture which never done before and actually I also had you know you see those sports 
people having like bruises on their back, like the circular bruises, cupping it's called. I also had a little bit of that too, just, you know, going through all these new things this week. So yeah, and then just walking the dogs. You were quite a week, yeah. Um, walking the dogs, it's beautiful here today. I don't know about you guys, we've got like not a cloud in the sky. I think you might have trumped Mike there, you know. I think no, that's no, a bit, I come think- on. De- definitely. I, I mean, I've not seen the sky since 7.30 this morning, so I'm hoping it's sunny outside. And after this, I'm going outside. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. I'd, I'd love to get, uh, get a massage, actually. I need to book that in, uh, note to self. But um, sounds like a good week. Uh, my week, um, I, I think I had the dullest week, to be fair. I th- on, the, on the family side, uh, we've started badminton. Oh, I love badminton. And uh, it's good, isn't it? It's really good. Yeah, you can really sort of... competitive. <laughs> whatever age you can you know hit it as hard as you want and uh still we, return we, it. we were talking we were talking just before we started becky chris and i about the fast show going on tour and you just made me think chris are you competitive dad <laughs> are you are you there smashing, on, the, smashing the shock like, yeah yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah i beat uh, my kids 11 nil every time um yeah, no, no 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 i'm not i'm very i'm a very generous dad uh because Otherwise, all hell breaks loose. But no, we started that. That was fun. I actually found out I'm I'm a rugby fan and I asked my kids what they wanted to do sports wise because they've hit a bit of a transition year in school um, where they're they're moving up into secondary school. And uh, I asked this open question about what they wanted to do. And it was actually my daughter wants to play rugby, which has blown me away. And I'm because I never saw it coming. She's very crafty and and quite quiet and likes to keep herself to herself but she turned around to me and just said yeah i want to start playing rugby dad that's like that's fantastic um but we kept it was the power of the open question because we kept on asking you know do you want to do this do you want to do that do you want to do you know more craft do you want to do this because your friend does it and then we just sort of said well okay open question what do you want to do and she walked us through her thinking and then said rugby i was like wow this is i would never have guessed so that was fantastic on the work side, uh, we ran our first mastermind of the year and our first um, talks, Gen Zero Talks, which is a sort of uh, a webinar series that we do. That was fantastic. And I'm mentioning that because Mike didn't, because Mike was part of our mastermind. So what happened this week? Now, we're going to stop talking about this after this week, but we are definitely going to talk about this just one more time. And it is the post office um because it is a bit of a gift that keeps on giving you know becky we spoke beforehand and and i'd actually seen this as well in the news which i found quite interesting around the decision to sack the forensic accountants um Mm -hmm. when they started to highlight that there were problems with their it system um well it's i think it's ridiculous (laughs) in short because why bring in an external expert and a group of people that know what they're doing to you know go off and find something that could potentially be wrong or not but at least they're there and at least they're independent to then you know really have them come back and say oh yeah oh that's not so good and that's not so good to then turn around and go yeah do you know what I think we should deal with this in-house now like sorry it just seems completely ridiculous because you've obviously had the thought process to say right this is what needs to happen needs to be independent needs to be external you know needs to be a specialist and then when things aren't going quite as well as you'd hoped you go well actually no let's not do that anymore um I think it's crazy and 
I think it kind of highlights the whole sort of theme of this post office scandal, which is, you know, cover ups. And if you don't like it, then let's just put our fingers in our ears. Yeah. I think what's really missing is the actual human aspect of it all. Um, you know, yeah. they didn't say, oh, my gosh, these people have found something brilliant because now we can deal with it and then we can, you know, help all of those people that might be affected by it. Mike, you look perplexed. Oh, no, I was I was just thinking how how to say something that different to, to Becky and what we've said before because I think I hundred percent agree it's it's that that people element. I think the thing that's that's really interesting in and actually you said it there, Becky. So just to touch on something you said, which is why did they invite these people in if they weren't going to actually listen to what they said? And I think they almost invited them in to give them a clean bill of health. And once they realised they weren't going to get a clean bill of health. Let's get shot of them because we need to manage this catastrophe, inverted commas, um, ourselves. So I think it's almost it's almost that the that's something we've touched on before when talking about this, and many people have touched on it. it was all about managing the brand and managing the reputation of the company, not thinking about the human impacts and the people impacts of the mistakes and the issues that that were happening. And you know, and th- this is this is this un- the unredacted document that's come out today. Uh, where where there are government ministers and um, people representing UK government involved in some of the decision making around this, it, it, it it's gonna well you, you say we're not going to talk about it again after today, Chris. You never know. You never know what's the next thing to <laughs> come out. I, I, it's interesting because I think it, it's it's nice in a way that the accountants here have have done the right thing. They've sort of presented the right information and they've they, they they've been asked to leave. Um, you know. In, in a lot of times an audit they're kind of complicit in this as much as the government were and they kind of agree to manage the message in a particular way and it looks like the accountants here have actually done the right thing which is which is great um if not sometimes different to what happens in the audit world controversial but i was quite interested in the in the fact that they called it project sparrow as well that's someone trying to i mean you know you get a piece of paper and it says project sparrow all of a sudden you're like oh cute lovely this lovely little garden bird that jumps around if you got the same piece of paper that said like you know project wolf or something you'd have a a different mindset reading the papers so maybe it's some sort of subliminal um thing they're trying to yeah it's smack it's smacks of being a just being completely ridiculous, right? Why, why, on, why on earth would an organisation call something like it? It feels like they want to be secret agents. <laughs> well, I was going to say, wasn't there that book, uh, Red Sparrow, which I think was all about espionage and sex and how they kind of, you know, married those two worlds together to get what they wanted. I'm not suggesting that anything like that went <laughs> on here. It sounded like you were trying to come up with a controversial title for this podcast when you put it onto the uh, platform. <laughs> Post office sexpionage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, there you go. Algorithms, <laughs> take that. Sexpionage, sexpionage. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I've spoken about that enough. But, it, you know, look, it is a gift that keeps on giving. Um, and as, as we just said, it seems like a crazy decision <clears throat> to ask for expertise and then to ignore it. But, uh, you know, having been involved in fraud i i I also can see how um and forensic work i I can also see how um people recoil from the truth and um this is the case in a lot of corporate fraud it it never goes reported and it never goes it gets prosecuted because people are just too embarrassed they don't want the pr headlines unfortunately the behavior is very common 
Becky, you mentioned there, actually, I used to be an auditor because um, now you're in business and entrepreneurship, which is great. So what's um, keeping you busy? Yeah. So um, as I said, I was an auditor and I was in practice for about five years, um, which I have to say wasn't my most enjoyable five years. No offense to the people that are in practice. It just wasn't really for me. Um, so, yeah, like when I qualified and moved into industry and into business, it was much more my thing um, because I always think of accounting and finance as two separate worlds almost. There's the accountants that deal with like IFRS and reporting and statutory stuff. And then there's finance people that are, you know, more into running businesses and creating, you know, shareholder wealth at the end of the day. So, yeah, I currently work for an insurance broker and underwriting firm as their finance director. Um, and before that, I've worked in startup tech companies and, as you said, um, founded my own business as well. So really, for me, I think it's all about making businesses better, uh, making them work better, getting better productivity, growing the business at the end of the day is what it's all about. But I'm all about using technology and data to enable yeah. that growth and that uh, improvement. It sounds like you've been on a bit of a journey there. And and I don't like to bash auditors too much. Um, no, that's a lie, actually. I, I think they should be carved out from our whole industry and, and dealt with in a different way. But um, but you, was there a why? Why did you move from one to the other um because you're now part of our club which is great i always i always knew i was going to move out of practice um so i really kind of used practice to get my qualification um and to get some good experience and like exposure to lots of different companies so i used to audit um charities academies um as well as big you know manufacturing companies um some bigger brands that people would probably know um but I always knew that's not what I wanted to do just because you're sort of dropped into a company you have you know however long two weeks at that company with that sort of group of people that you're auditing with and then you're picked up and dropped in another company um so it was great exposure because you met lots of different people that generally all hated you um so that gives you a nice thick skin um you see a lot of systems you learn a lot of ways how not to do things um but yeah I kind of just use that process at a stage of my life to get what I needed to then move into business which is where I always knew I wanted to be um, but you're right, it is a journey. Like I started in business and I was just kind of doing what I was doing. Um, but then I kind of found tech as a way of running my own business alongside working because there are only so many hours in the day. And if you yep. can automate things and streamline things and get it to work for you um, whilst you're working on other things, more value-add things, then it's always a good thing to implement. And it kind of just spiraled from there, found you guys, um and, and never looked back <laughs> and when you say you guys you mean the podcast or uh... podcast the community the events uh, gen everything gen yeah so can I, can I just have yeah can i just ask a question which is so you've mentioned your qualification a couple of times what qualification did you get and is it still is it the one that you use every day now ah, yeah that's interesting because i did aat and then i did acca um 
So they're account, they're accounting qualifications, yeah. Both accounting qualifications, yeah. And I think they're probably quite similar now. I mean, it's been a few years since I qualified, um, but I do think they're changing slightly to be a bit more digital focused. When I did them, they weren't. They were still, you know, like let's draw a T account and work this out. Whereas now, like, <laughs> I don't even know if they touch on T accounts at all. But um, I think more and more as I sort of go through my journey, I do consider what qualifications I would have done if I'd done it all again, or if I'm going to do a bit more training um, on more technology-based stuff. Uh, that, that, that's that's really interesting. I mean, I've been on a similar journey in some respects. So when I went, I went to university, my son, my eldest son's going to university this year. I went to do an oceanography degree. That's because it, it sort of covered off the topics that I liked at A-level. Looking back, I should have gone and done a law degree, but I just had no concept of what a law degree was. So yeah. I've, I've kind of got to where I've got to, and I don't know if I'd have done that if I had gone straight in with that law degree, but it's interesting it's interesting the kind of like knowledge that you get now that's why i was interested if, if you're still using it on, on a daily basis or you're still using the accountancy bit regularly especially when you made that distinction earlier between finance and accounting and i was talking to someone the other day actually and they were saying it's so weird because it's probably the only profession that you to call yourself an accountant and you know to do that sort of career path you have to do those qualifications whereas there are so many other professions where you can get there without having those exact qualifications whereas for us like even if you're recruiting a finance director now I think it would be extremely relevant to have some sort of technology degree or qualification or, you know, some wider economics information around it. But it's always, have you done, you know, your ACA or ACCA or whatever? And it's like, mm, do we need that? I mean, it's very relevant, but we don't need it, I don't think. But it's the only profession where it's literally first thing on the job spec. Are you a qualified accountant? I I think that's one of the hottest questions at the moment. Actually, it's like are the are the qualifications that you get great for work, fit for work, you know, get, getting you ready for work? Um, because I think in the past it was seen as a qualification to set you apart, you know, to give you a set of professional ethics, you know, to to single you out as possibly the best of the best. You know, there was prestige around it. But I think now we're in a sort of skills-based economy. And, you know, if if I'm a CEO and I'm looking for a CFO, yes, I want you to be competent in that area of financial management and understand what's going on. But I'm probably looking for other things as well. And, you know, yeah. you mentioned technology there. You mentioned economics. You know, you're a good communicator. It sounds like you network a lot as well. So, you know, all these things are, are relevant. The Americans kind of call them rock star CFOs, and I just don't really go with that but i kind of get the, the the message which is we're business leaders now yeah we're not yeah. bean counters we haven't been for a long time just picking on that there's something interesting in there that's going off in my head around the we've got to the point we've as we've, we're discussing our careers right so we've, we've, we've each of us on this this have got some experience and actually what we do is we translate our experience into the workplace that that's kind of it the question is what what are the what the foundations that are needed including qualifications to give new entrants a fast track to the level of experience that we've got that they don't just have to get older 
you know and I yeah. think that that that's almost that's almost the question do the qualifications give the level of experience or is it almost getting qualified it's like your driving test is it is it, is it like your driving test where you, you pass your qualification and then you start learning <laughs> yeah yeah I think there's a lot in that yeah, I don't know what the answer is because I think the experience levels now that people need are so diverse because you do have businesses that are very led by tech and the decision making is very fast and they're agile and they're moving constantly. Um, and then you have businesses that are still fairly old fashioned um, and they don't really want to rely on tech. Maybe they don't quite trust it and they certainly aren't going to make fast decisions based on it. Um so those two different people going into those two different organizations will naturally be quite different. So we're maybe at this sort of weird time uh, point where things are changing, but not completely. I think there was also a, an assumption in the past that there was a career ladder and there was time to go up that ladder. And it's it's very structured in the accounting and finance world. But that career ladder there's a lot of discussion about whether that career ladder is being eroded by you know ai and technology and, and efficiency and whether the you know the entry levels are, are going to be there in the future because data entry is being replaced by tech and ai and th therefore you know where is the breeding ground for these people so <clears throat> i think the reason for the questioning on the qualification side is what you're talking about there mike is almost because we have to get people ready for a different starting point in the workplace. Um, and in the past, it was like, oh, don't worry, just start and we'll do some CPD, some continuous development. We'll give you some experience over three, five years and you'll get there. But now it's like, oh, actually, I don't have anywhere to learn or I have less yeah. opportunity to learn in these entry-level jobs. So I need to start higher up. And the second, just sort of think, thinking on that, but there's so many fractional or gig, gig roles now where people are like doing really short-term contracts coming in to do something and going that you don't get that kind of on-the-job training in the same way. So, yeah, I, I agree. So just shifting focus a little bit, um, you know, Becky, you, you, talking about you and you, you touched on your sort of business, your side gig and all, all the rest of it, you know, what, what drives you? What's the... You know, what's the reason you get up out of bed every morning? And and I, it might be wine. That's uh, it's a leading <laughs> statement. But tell me more. Well, I'm definitely not thinking about wine as soon as I wake up, thankfully. <laughs> uh, certainly not drinking it anyway. Um, yeah, I think the power of doing something a little bit different and being having that sort of control over your own, you know, destiny or whatever you want to call it like whatever your north star is if you have control to get there then I think that's a real driving force um so yeah we set up the company really as I mean I mean because it's wine right and it we enjoy drinking wine so that there was that um but also because we wanted to learn um and I have learned so much in the past few years of running that business not just you know, in finance and, and running that and even in tech, but in sort of discipline, in negotiation, in just figuring stuff out on your own, which I think is a skill in itself, because if you're working in a larger organization, there's always someone else to ask or 
someone else to take the blame maybe you know you could say oh it wasn't my decision it was them um so yeah that's sort of the main thing that's come out of that business is the fact that I've learned so much and drinking the great wine is amazing and <laughs> meeting other people is also amazing and I think yeah it's just trying to give a voice and a platform to smaller businesses as well which is really sort of wholesome and it just feels great um so yeah it's just been fun so so I've got I've got two questions related to what you just said um and it's the what's the business called and you didn't actually say what it did it just sounds like you spend the time quaffing wine so what's, (laughs) what's the business called and what's it actually do (laughs) if I could get paid for coughing wine all day that would be brilliant um so it's called Elizabeth Rose Wines it's an online wine merchant um so basically we buy wines directly from the vineyard and we sell it to consumers and to restaurants and, and places like that so um yeah we we absolutely love it it's um it's been such a learning curve but yeah, and I would now say to people, if you have a, an interest in something and you think like, well, can we make a go of that? Like, just go for it because it would teach you so much. Um, and I don't think I've really understood how much I would learn. It was like, oh, yeah, I'll learn from this, but not this much. Um, it definitely helped me make a bit of a step change in my, my own career as well. I love that. I think it's, it's so brave to kind of just spend time doing something like that and to consciously go into something that is a bit of a learning project by the sounds of it, I think is, is such a smart move. You know, what, what are the skills that you've added to your CV? Um, negotiation, I would say, is something that I didn't really have to do before. Obviously, you're negotiating with other people in your business because you know you all think your project or your department is the most important thing and so you know you're all fighting for the time at the board table or whatever but um yeah a lot of vineyard owners in this country um because we do just specialize in English and Welsh wines are basically farmers that are diversifying so one thing for us has had to have been something that it works for both parties and I know that's basic and it has to be like that in all business but when you're a small business yourself and you're buying from a small business it even more so has to kind of fit with both of you um and then as I touched on before we had to make it work with the technology um coming in and making it easier for both of us because we did both work full time. So it was kind of like a necessary, we had to find some technology to automate. Um, and yeah, it, it kind of just works. I know that, that, I mean, that's, that's, that's fantastic. And it's, it's, as Chris said, it's really great to hear, to hear that you've done that as a side hustle effectively, and it's become successful. Um, I've got kind of a final question for you, and it links back to something um, in your introduction. So Chris, Chris introduced you as an award winner. So can you tell us a little bit about the awards that you've won, what they were for? Yeah, so uh, in 2023, I won three awards. Um, first one Not, was... So, so, so the, in, the intro should have been multiple award winning. Oh, God, I've been <laughs> short out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll edit that. How dare you? Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, fifty top 50 women in accounting, and that was like a global thing. The next one I won was at the Jenny's, the Digital Finance Function Awards, which Thank was... Thank you. Social, whoop, whoop. Yeah, yeah, social media of the year, which was amazing. 
um, which always happens to be held on like the hottest night in London of the year for some reason. And I That's just have to rehydrate. That's why we do it. We, we're trying yeah. to create this uh, fiesta festival environment. Yeah, there. it was. <laughs> um, and then the final one that I won was the finance director of the year. Um, and that was at the Accounting Excellence Awards. So, yeah, it was a busy year, 2023. Sounds amazing. And th- again, thanks yeah. for the plug. Thanks for the plug. Um, and it, it's helpful to get onto people's radar in this way, right? Have you have you seen any benefits to kind of winning awards like that? Yeah, I think um, people just find you a little bit more interesting. Um, they might invite you to things so I've I've been invited to events I'm sure not because they you know specifically want my company but just because they think oh you must be interesting let's invite you Um, which is really nice because I do really believe that businesses are just people and people doing the same thing and they happen to be in a business together and driving forward towards a goal Um, so yeah meeting new people understanding where they're coming from and I do think the way in which people learn the most especially from like a senior finance or business professional point of view is from each other um because there is sort of no judgment bouncing ideas around and it's a lot a lot of the time it's those conversations over a glass of wine or a cup of coffee um or a gen cfo mastermind that can just get the cogs turning and just sort of level you up a little bit so yeah yeah, it's been really good fun um other other professional communities uh exist as well obviously um do they but yeah (laughs) of course they do of course they do no you're part of a brilliant um i think it's it's all women's community nova um yeah there are are lots of other the institutions run their events but they're not quite the same as these more kind of professional personal focused events yeah and I think joining that is really important because it can be a little bit um daunting or lonely as they say um in those sort of senior positions when you're the one that's making the decisions um you know instead of waking up at midnight in a cold sweat if you've talked that out with someone that's also going through it it might just make those decisions a little bit easier. That is brilliant. And that is a incredible segue into um, the, the question that we have today, because uh, each uh, each podcast, we like to ask a question. And if you are interested in asking, send uh, your questions to podcast at generationcfo.com or reach out to myself and Mike via LinkedIn. Um, the question this week, which does come from the community, and I actually think it came via... Um, our community success manager who who's responsible for all of our exec members it was a question but a statement as well which was i'm an i'm an introvert and hate networking so what can i do and i think it was around we tend to invite people into our masterminds or into our meetups first before they sign up which um i think is only fair <laughs> but but if you're an introvert uh, and and you know you might see the value of networking but you kind of hate it like what what can we do? You know, Mike, I'll come to you first because you're nodding away. Because I'm an because I'm an introvert and I hate networking, <laughs> and that's the truth. That's the that's the absolute did you, truth. Did you submit this question? <laughs> I, I I mean, I could have I I could have done. Um, it it it's absolutely so. 
genuinely it's something I've had to navigate through my career is how do I network? Because I know you need to network to get on, but absolutely hate it. And you'll have witnessed some of some of the tactics that I've learned over the time over time, Chris, which is I'm always at events. If there's an event going on, I'm always there first or one of the first to be there. Because I can work out what the lay of the land is. I can try and manage the environment for me that suits me. Because I really hate walking into rooms of lots of people where I don't know anybody. The other thing I often do is I, will, I, I if 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 I'm not presenting, I will tag, I will find someone to tag along with and utilize their networking skills. Another learned behavior. But the real trick, for, I think, for an introvert, especially somebody like me that's got something to say, is to present. It's to get involved in the panels, get involved in the discussions, put your hand up and speak. Really hard to do, but actually then people will come. If you say something interesting, people will then come and talk to you. And you don't have to go through that kind of horrible bit of, hi, my name's Mike. Yeah, I do intellectual property rights. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means this. And that's the bit that I hate. The too long don't read of what I just said is be really deliberate about your networking and think about tactics that work for you and, and utilize them. Don't just think because other people are vivacious and off that that's, you can be. It, it, that's interesting. And and you do, you sort of say that I've, I've might have seen some of those tactics and I have, but I haven't recognized them actually, which is I think important too. It's just, you know, you're doing your own thing. Just on that last one though, it's almost like I'm presenting for people to come to me because I don't like the the wordy introduction, but you also have an introduction that you use quite a lot, which I really like, and we've joked about in the past. Which is, "Hi, my name's Mike. I'm not an accountant, right?" Normally at our events. So I think does, does that work your as well? Community. It does. But if you actually think about your the, the Gen CFO events now, I've been to a few. So actually, it's more of a comfortable environment now. The the, the, the absolute hundred percent worst is if you're going to something like. Uh, I, I, there's one coming up called State of Open Data Conference, and it's coming up at the QE2 Exhibition Centre. And I, I, know, I know already I'm not going to go because there'd be no point because I would go and I would hate it and I'd leave. Um, so, so actually, the yeah. so, so, so the jokey introduction is when I've almost I'm happy being at the event and I've got that kind of in now. That's fine. That 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 it, it's 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 bizarre. I can, so I appreciate the question because it's almost a physical thing yeah, um, yeah. of just like. It's also, it's quite contradictory for, for me to hear it as well, because, you know, I'm more of an extrovert. I'm quite happy to get there. You know, I do have my moments, like being completely honest. Oh, I get, we all, we all do. I get social anxiety over certain things as well, but I am able to shake it off. But the, the getting there early, actually, to me as an extrovert sounds a bit contradictory because it's like getting there early means that you are the center of attention. I would have thought that you'd get there when it's busy so you can slip in. And I can pick off. So if I'm there early, I can pick off the first person there to speak to. So I don't have to go into a room of 10 people and find somebody. The, the next person in, I can speak to. Or the organiser who's keen is, is, is there, I can speak to. So actually, you've got over the hurdle of starting a conversation when it's one-on-one, -on -one, not yeah. one-to-many. That's brilliant. And, 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 and to be clear, yeah, this is stuff that I've found works for me. It won't work for everybody. And, you know, it's just, anyway, sorry. You, you, you can see this question's tapped into something that I've thought about a lot, right? <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it's super relevant. Becky, how about you? You know, you, you do, do a lot of networking. Where, where are you on the spectrum? <laughs> do you know, I don't know, because I do really like networking. I love being around other people and learning from them. But I definitely then have a point where I'm like, 
I have nothing more to give. Like my brain has shut down. My words make no sense anymore. I can't really listen to people. All I want to do is go home and watch really bad TV in a dark room and just sort of like chill. Um, So I don't know where I am, but I definitely have a line that I'm done. And it comes quite quickly, actually. I have to, I'm like in full flow. And then I'm like, no, I'm going to have to leave. Like I'm not enjoying this anymore. Like trying to walk into a room, a busy room, and there's like groups of people already talking to each other and you're there on your own and you have to almost like interrupt one of those groups and say, hi, stop talking what you're talking about. Let's talk to me now. It just feels really awkward and wrong. Um, so, yeah, I, it's, I think it's just a skill that I've learned over time. And that doesn't mean that I haven't been that really awkward person that's absolutely like wanted to crawl into a dark hole um because no one wants to talk to you or whatever but yeah now I find it quite easy but I think that's just because I've gone through the pain yeah it's it's interesting to to hear I Alec we spoke to Alex um who was he's a presenter you know um Alex Bombonet uh in a few episodes ago and she she's on the conference scene she does a lot of facilitation a lot of a lot of speaking and I, I assumed she was an extrovert and she said the same thing. She said, you know what, when I go to like big conferences, I actually need to go back to my hotel room and lie down for a bit yeah. <laughs> just to get, just to recharge. Um, and obviously introvert, extrovert is more about, you know, where you get your energy from rather than, you know, whether you can be with lots of people or not. It's But it's nice to hear this actually, because I do, I, I've, we've tried to address this with what we do with having... Um, you know, a reception area so that people are clear when they come to us, you know, that they get a welcome rather than they have to sort of slip in by themselves. And also with the partnering up with people, we tried to create event groups on our our online community so that people can actually see and connect and try and, you know, meet up beforehand or find out whether they're there. Now, people are still pretty backward at coming forward, but at least there's an opportunity to do that, which I think is helpful. I've got one final, I've just got one, one, one and a half final thing. So somebody said something interesting to me a few weeks ago, who, somebody who knows me well said, give yourself a target, one target for a, for a networking event. In fact, go up and speak to one person about something, just do that. So almost once you've done that, then you've succeeded. I know. So, so actually then everything else is a bonus on top of that, or if you go at that point, fine and then the only other the other final point is to your point around where you get your energy from is not everybody's the same so if you feel that you're done do what becky does and go if, if you're done you're done that's fine and that's fine you don't everybody doesn't have to be the vivacious kind of center of attention yes and that's not a dig at me is it being the vivacious no. center of attention no no um, no chris no chris <laughs> Now I it's and it is funny the psychology around it because Becky you sort of say that when you when you you know use the word interrupt a group and everyone now talk to me like I naturally never you do, do that, that all the time yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when I see a group of people I I just think let's go and talk to them and um, let's see what they're talking about and yeah it's just interesting how you, you sort of view these situations differently and we'll. We can definitely do more to help people, which uh, I think is important. Good stuff. Sounds great. Um, and yeah, we'll come back for a special on that. So moving on to our, our good data, bad data. This is kind of like, <clears throat> you know, Becky, we, we were talking beforehand about some of the interesting stats from LinkedIn. Stats from LinkedIn. 
Yeah, it seems to be a bit of a gap, doesn't there? So there was some stats out um, saying, yeah, so LinkedIn jobs that mention AI or Gen AI have more than doubled. Um, but there was like 67% of UK professionals that say we have never had any formal training or even guidance on this. So it's like, okay, now there's this huge gap then between obviously businesses that want someone that knows what they're doing in this area and people that actually maybe feel confident or even trained to do that. So where is this gap going to be filled from? And is it our responsibility as individuals to go out and get that training? Or should we be looking to our employer to upskill the workforce and make sure their workforce is capable of doing that? Like where where is that gap going to come from? It's a great unknown. Uh, but so I agree. I agree with the great unknown. I, I think that the key bit is to be calling it out, and I think that this conversation is starting to call out that that gap. I mean, we've talked about um, is is AI the new kind of shiny thing that everyone's looking at? Um, to some extent, it is, but people need to know that they need to know a bit more to be able to make that statement right so i think that calling it out within a business organization we need to know more about this and then finding a solution to that be it online training getting somebody in recruiting a new member of staff whatever it might be the first thing is let's identify the problem or the gap that we've got knowing the problem problem shared is a problem halved and all that so it is it's interesting because i do think you know we spoke to um trailblazing AI expert Nina Sheik a couple of weeks ago. And I asked her the question at the end, which is, will we stop talking about AI soon? Because everyone will just understand it. And they'll understand the difference and they'll understand what it means and the nuance. And then it just becomes part of our language. And she said, yeah, most likely. So I just wonder whether this is like, a, you know, a bit of a poor HR response to the need for digital skills you know they're like oh god i don't really know what we need from people so i'll just add in ai or add in gen ai um it seems it seems like it's a complete wild west in terms of recruitment at the moment in that area it i think i think for me as a, somebody that's worked in digital and data transformation for far too many years what what's really good about it about the wild west scenario is it, it it's giving people a language to understand the need for digital and data literacy you know, because because the, the AIs, the Gen AIs, the, the bots are much more accessible, people are starting to see, oh, okay, so if we, we put rubbish data into something, we get these hallucinated answers or we get bad outputs, which you can then turn into a message which may, around digital and data literacy, which up until now has been largely a very boring conversation that people aren't interested in. So I think whilst I agree with Nina's comment that we won't be talking about it, I think it will continue to be a driver for better digital and data literacy. Yeah, sounds good. And that was on the good data side because uh, just highlighting the gap actually is good data. Mike, you had something on uh, Apple's green journey. So so, uh, so that came up this morning, actually, um, in, in the uh, workshop that I've been at today. Um, somebody said, oh, Apple are doing really well on their environmental stuff, but they don't shout about it. So they're not greenwashing. They don't go wild about their environmental um, credentials. But um, some of their products are now 100% recycled or 100% carbon neutral. So some things, the components in most, there's, there's like 20% recycled components in most of their gadgets now. But actually, 
their journey to being net zero by 2030 is that they've been carbon neutral since 2020 and they've reduced their emissions by 45% since 2015. And I just thought, actually, that's, that's quite a significant, for a company that size, that's quite a significant step. And that yeah. reduction in emissions is across all of their own sites. Um, so their aim is to be 100% carbon neutral by 2030. Sorry, 100%, so all their sites uh, have reduced emissions by 2030. But they, then they start working on their supply chain. So they're working with their supply chain to start reducing the, their emissions as well. So uh, just wanted to share that with Ken this morning. That is good data. It's interesting that they don't chat about that, if that is true, um, because, you know, it's the complete opposite to what's happening in the world, you know, greenwashing and having to legislate against big court, actually trying to sort of take that message out and it all being complete rubbish. Yeah, interesting. And Becky, on your side, you know, do you have... Do you touch on anything ESG wise? Yeah, I think I think it's one of the many sort of extra roles that um, FDs, CFOs, accountants have to think about now. And actually, I was talking to someone the other day who was saying that they're working on a piece of software that, as well as you know, you drop your invoice in and it automatically reads that it's a hundred pens, or you know, and then we're going to code it to whatever. It will also then automatically pick up the carbon footprint of that product. And then it will be able to give you, you know, you can press a button and it will give you this nice carbon report. So it's really easy then to embed that sort of um, environmental side into your accounting software. So I thought that was fascinating. Um, I mean, I've not seen anything that sort of works on an SME type level yet, but I'm sure it's going to come because at some point we're all going to have to start reporting on it and the bad guys are going to be pulled out pretty quickly, I think. I'd love to learn more about tech in that space because there is a concern from a lot of people in our space that that we're going to start creating an overhead of ESG reporting and we're going to need someone to come in and and for half of their time, you know, create ESG reports because it's not just a one-off thing. You have to be, you know, creating these reports on a on a regular basis, um, and also getting the data on a daily basis. Like you said, it's that data capture which is the the real work, the the data management. So anyway, but it's all good. Uh, it's, and it's a it's a really good use case as well. By the sounds of it, um, making life easier for for SMEs. Um, on the just moving on to the bad data. So this this is crazy, uh, and um, this is a bit wider than than the normal conversation that we normally have. But I came across this post, and I believe it to be true. So I'm going to just talk about it anyway. <laughs> but I came across this post where restaurants were using dating apps to get people to go to dates in their restaurant. Yeah, and they were made up date, dates. So then the person who's in the restaurant would wait, would eat. And it just seemed bonkers that people were using kind of this technology and data in this way to basically drive a little bit of revenue to their restaurant. I don't know. Is that normal? I'm not sure. Is that um, a good use of data? (laughs) Again, I'm not sure. It seems pretty um, thinking outside the box, doesn't it? So I wonder who came up with it in that company. I mean, I'm, I'm incredulous a little bit, but it, it's almost like a physical manifestation of fishing, right? It's it's that 
you know, send somebody an email and they'll send you some money. This is this is like the next level, which is we'll send you a, a request to meet. You'll come along and spend some money anyway. Very clever, brilliant. Entrepreneurs, yeah. entrepreneurs everywhere. Entrepreneurial, but they'll never return to that restaurant because it will have bad vibes for them. So you know, it's a short term fix. And as we all know in business, you need to look a little bit further than that. Thank you for all of your input today. That's been really interesting. Covered a lot there. Uh, you know, entrepreneurship, skills, introversion, all sorts. Um, so, Becky, thank you very much for being um, with us today. And thank you. Uh, we have one shout out before we go. Um, Becky, you might actually know Val. Have you have you met Val Elliot? I know Val. Yeah, love Val. Well, I'm pleased to, to give her a shout out this week because. Uh, Val is now the UK FD of Lavazza Coffee. Yeah. And uh, someone has added to my show notes, free coffee for the pod, question mark. <laughs> that, that, will have, that will have been me. Yes. Well, of course. That's, 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 it's the obvious next question after a shout out like that, right? Well, it's funny you say that because before each mastermind, because they're at eight o'clock in the morning, we send out coffees to everyone. Um, so maybe th there's a tie in there with Val. Yeah. <laughs> I'll like sort it. that one out. But um, anyway, look, congrats to, to Val. It looks like a great move and a great company. So uh, that's really good to hear. I look forward to catching up with her next time we meet. And uh, again, thank you to Becky. Thank you. Thank you from Mike. Thank you very much. And remember, it's not all about the numbers. Mm -hmm.